0: So my child,
1: you know why you know that?
0: Because I'm married to you.
1: Exactly. So not everybody's married to me. So they might not know that.
0: Well, that's good because I'd have to kill them. (laughs) And they'd be fighting me for host position. (laughs) It would be an issue. guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with S&M. Hello. We are on episode 38.
1: That we are. It's our Halloween episode.
0: Halloween. It's our
1: first themed episode, I think. Are you doing, are you staying with Halloween theme? I am. I am. I'm doing, I have a Halloween theme.
0: I've been on a Halloween theme, Unsolved Mystery theme since like September. (laughs) So, but this actually will be a Halloween themed Unsolved Mystery. Yeah. Yeah, you're like super on on theme. You're you're literally on theme with the I Halloween movie. I, I
1: don't uh, I don't have a news story because it's, it's just been all really terrible. News I don't want to talk about
0: I don't want to talk about the news.
1: It's been a bad week.
0: It's been a real bad week. Um, if you are outside of the United States and you haven't been following the United States news, it sucks here right now. I mean, it's been sucking here for like two years, but it really sucks here right now. So, no news.
1: Turns we'll out just... Donald Trump is still president.
0: Yeah. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> anything anything happening to you this past week? Went to a wedding last night. That was fun.
1: We did our friends Megan and Brian got married. That that was nice.
0: Yeah, they're not friends of the show. I don't think they listen anymore. They did it at the beginning. Yeah, but I don't think they listen anymore. Probably because they were planning a wedding. <laughs>
1: but, but yeah, it was it was. It was a Really cool reception at the what was that place called?
0: I'm sorry, I'm yawning, I'm tired. Not because we stayed out especially late or drank, <laughs> but come on, bro. <laughs> we hit our mic stand so much, it's um, a very tight space. Here. It's because we sit on our couch.
1: I mean, I can't everything's sideways,
0: and yeah, we just chill. Well, if you've watched our videos that we've done in the past, you know that we just sit on our couch and chill. Um, but yeah, it was at the Cleveland, Hyatt Cleveland at the arcade.
1: It was really cool because it when you looked at it, when you looked up, it reminded me out of something from Tim Burton's Batman. So I was waiting for like the Joker to come in and start some shit. That never happened, unfortunately.
0: No, it wasn't going to happen.
1: It would have been cool if it did. I think.
0: It really wouldn't have been. Did you get that snap from Brian that they went to Taco Bell Cantina later?
1: Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I couldn't figure out what was going on there.
0: Yeah. So I, I we should have stayed for that. <laughs> I'm I'm always down for Taco Bell. That's awesome. Does but
1: the cantina serve different stuff?
0: It's nicer. I don't know if it serves different stuff though. I've never bothered to go because I think the only cantina in the area is down there. Oh, okay. It's in downtown Cleveland. And uh if you're on if you follow me per my personal Instagram, you saw some of the some of the pictures Sam is rolling around on the ground so if you hear that noise he's
1: trying like to scratch because of his uncomfortable diaper that he has to wear which is his fault
0: we've talked about that before on the podcast but
1: I'll never get over having a dog with a diaper
0: yeah update he's still on a diaper
1: he'll always be in a diaper he keeps trying to mark so he just marks in his diaper now
0: right that's pretty much where our lives are at so yeah that's uh, I don't have too much, too much bullshitting news because how much has happened in the last week. I mean, lots has happened. I've, I've been very busy. No. I've just had a lot going on with work and life.
1: but just trying to think if there's any upcoming nerd movie news or anything. Should have oh thought about yes! That
0: before we, hit I did record. read something
1: that Kathleen Kennedy has confirmed God that damn there. It. <laughs> has She's con-
0: like the third host of the show.
1: <laughs> She's confirmed that there is not going to be a Boba Fett movie because of John Favreau's Mandalorian series.
0: What does that mean? I don't know what that means.
1: John Favreau is producing is. is He's writing, directing a TV series called *The Mandalorian*. Boba Fett is part of.
0: I know the. He, he's Boba. a Mandalorian warrior. Yeah, I fucking know.
1: So because Don't of talk that. Talk to me like I'm stupid. Because of that, they're not going to do a Boba Fett movie.
0: Oh, so is? Well, I guess it has to be right. But. I was going to say, is that part of, like Disney property? But I guess it has to be right. Like you can't do a knockoff because of that.
1: Oh yeah, they they because own of that all.
0: Bullshit, right? Because of that bullshit with. With the public domain and Disney having it extended for all that time. So there are all these orphan works and all that nonsense now.
1: It's just Disney has all the Star Wars rights except for the rights to the very first movie, which they will get in the Fox purchase. Wow. That's the only thing they didn't have the rights to, but they'll get that.
0: So when does Mickey Mouse become public domain? Is that 20?
1: I don't know. I don't think that'll ever happen. I really don't.
0: But it it has to happen right like that's i think
1: they'll just change the law again because the the truth of our government is it's just all about money and disney will just line the pockets of the right people to keep that copyright because they have the money to do it do you think batman is ever going to go public domain could you imagine
0: okay so steamboat willie is is set to enter public domain in 2024 there have been no moves From Congress to stop that from happening, unlike, unlike previous.
1: Yeah, not yet, but it's a few years off.
0: So in theory, anyone can use Mickey's image for free at that point. So that
1: version of his image.
0: Right. Black eyed Mickey, which is different from current Mickey.
1: I think he's back to the the black Pac-Man eyes.
0: I don't know. So, yeah, I just I can't imagine.
1: And I, I read a no, I didn't read it was on that. On that show we watched that Adam ruins everything. Yeah. Where he's talking about how, you know, Sherlock Holmes and this and that. Alice
0: in Wonderland. That's how.
1: It's all public domain. And that's everything. how
0: make, That's how Disney got Alice in Wonderland. Right.
1: And, and how there's been so Sleeping many Beauty. wonderful works. And it made me think, like, ha- has there been a lot of wonderful works with these characters since they went public domain?
0: Alice in Wonderland, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella.
1: So like one movie a piece. That's not. That's not an amazing amount of.
0: There's been a bunch of Alice in Wonderland movies. Okay, and one good one, right? Well, that I love.
1: That's what I mean. There's, there's, he acted like it it was going to be this great thing when people. But yeah, but how many good ones?
0: I, I really like the Benedict Cumberbatch version. I don't. Okay, fair enough. I, I really like that version. I'm not sure about in in this day and age,
1: though. It's just going to amount to a bunch of fan fiction.
0: It's mainly about, at least to me, like if you have like Mickey options, it's mainly about being able to capitalize on drawing. Well, is not like about like
1: Batman. I don't really character. care about Mickey. Mickey's not exactly this drawing them in at the box office.
0: Here, when does Batman enter public domain? Twenty thirty. 2030. Uh, twenty thirty-three. Corporate-owned works such as Batman have a ninety-five-year duration, so that's twenty thirty-three. Man, that's bullshit. Yeah. Corporations, man.
1: So surprise, surprise. I'm going to talk about John Carpenter's Halloween, the 1978 movie.
0: It's a little on the nose. (laughs) Isn't it?
1: It is. It's also and it's funny because I was like, "Eh, because it's not one of my favorite movies. Normally, I just I pick a, a movie that I'm super passionate about. And I have I have love for this movie and I understand its place in cinema, and I'm grateful that this movie exists, but it, it's by no means my favorite slasher horror movie. Despite essentially inventing the genre, so this this information is coming from consequenceofsound.net.
0: Is that like a a regular like I've never heard of that? Is that a website you frequent, or is it just one you found through Google?
1: It's it's not one I frequent, but I do end up reading a lot of articles on okay. this website this article is about two years old
0: oh well i guess the movie and this is was uh, shit, information
1: so. gathered by someone named david Canoe.
0: are you sure it's not canoe
1: <laughs> no but it's, it looks like it's canoe it looks like no with an extra o it might be canoe okay all right so 1978 John Carpenter is basically an unknown commodity for the most part. He had done Assault on Precinct 13.
0: Never heard of it. And. I mean, the movie came out before I was born, so it's not really shocking that I haven't heard of his previous works.
1: Right. And before that, he had done something called The Resurrection of Bronco Billy. I have no idea what that is. Bronco. So he wasn't exactly a known guy at the time, even though he did want to put his name above the title was kind of a throwback to directors from a different era would do that and I, I think it was also it was steps to make a franchise out of his name which is just kind of smart you know mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry this thing's really big I'm not used to I'm not used to this iPad I almost said I'm not used to handling this but it could turn into something <laughs> your eyes <laughs> iPad is quite large compared to my old one, so it was this movie was made on a budget of three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Wow, yeah, and it went on wow we it went on to make in just in the theater not you know d v d grosses and all the licensing, but in theaters alone it made forty million dollars, huh so when you extrapolate that that's that's a huge
0: right i I, huge I understand profit. math, yeah.
1: So for the longest time, it was the most I think it was the highest grossing independent film for like many, many years. That's all because of that's
0: that. an impressive profit. Yeah, I would like to have that kind of profit margin on anything ever.
1: All right. So initially the movie was going to be called The Babysitter Murders. I don't know if you Jesus Christ that. Yeah. that would have
0: been terrible.
1: That was the original name. Uh, producer Irwin Yablins.
0: Mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope that's a Roman <laughs> hopgoblin.
1: yablins i don't know how to say his last name he, yablons is that better i don't know how you pronounce it suggested that the story might be more significant if we're based around a specific holiday so the title was changed to halloween john carpenter and his co-writer deborah hill she worked with him on a lot of his earlier stuff they wrote the script in just 10 days and then on top of that, they were given 20 days to shoot the whole movie. And they did. They shot. So this whole movies made in a month. Basically, yeah.
0: Like from start to finish. It
1: took about 30 days to make Halloween. Does
0: that include casting? Like from writing to casting to shooting to everything? No, the
1: shoot was 20 days. Okay. 20 days to shoot it. Like they had all their principal actors and photographer, you know, the cameramen and all those guys. Everybody was hired by them, but it was it was a 20 day shoot.
0: So it Um, probably took them a little bit longer than a month.
1: So even though it's set in a made up town called Haddonfield in Illinois, it's (laughs) actually shot in South Pasadena and Hollywood, California. If you look closely, you can see palm trees in the backgrounds in some of the shots. So the 20 day shoot commenced in the spring of 1978, and the film was released in October of the same year. So the shoot was 20 days and they did all post-production and everything and had it out the door by October. Isn't that crazy by today's standards? But it it was also an independent film with not a lot of effects or anything.
0: Right. You could tell.
1: So the seasonal restrictions created some interesting hurdles for the production. Uh, Dozens of bags of fake leaves painted by production designer Tommy Lee Wallace were reused for various scenes.
0: They were like, get those leaves back in the bag. We need them in the next shoot.
1: And then the the thing that i noticed is that some of the trees are you know green yeah leaves are green on the trees in the movie
0: Well, you know what that's how they are right now in our area like a lot of our like our front tree has no leaves whatsoever but like when i'm driving down certain roads we have some trees that are like all red and other trees that are all green so you can't even tell like i don't know and it's almost november
1: so let's talk a little bit about Michael Myers' mask. So he was only described as having pale, neutral features of a man. And for the movie, the design boiled down to two options. They are both cheap latex masks, painted white, and bought for under $2 a piece at local toy stores by Tommy Lee Wallace.
0: So back in the 70s, you could buy that, like, full mask. Think that went over the back of your head and everything for under two dollars?
1: According to hair. this, yes. According to that's this, that's
0: awesome because in the eighties, <laughs> there was only those front plastic shit, right? That and they cost more than two dollars, so that's impressive.
1: We also got those awesome plastic costumes to go with it. You're talking about the Ben Cooper costumes. Yeah,
0: I'm talking about the things that looked like painting smocks and terrible. things. and they would have a
1: picture of the character on the costume. Right. Instead of actually looking like the character, it was just a picture of the character.
0: It was like, this is who I would like to be. Right. However, instead, I'm just going to show you a picture of the character.
1: Right, and I'm just going to wear it on this plastic t-shirt.
0: Yeah.
1: So one of these masks was a replica or it was a replica mask of a clown character called Weary Willie, who was popularized by actor Emmett Kelly. The other was a stretched out Captain Kirk mask from Star Trek. So John Carpenter chose the whitewashed Kirk mask because of its eerily blank stare that fit perfectly with the Myers character. So oddly enough, a lot of people don't actually know that that's basically a William Shatner mask that Michael Myers I is think wearing. a lot of
0: people do know that. You do? I mean, I knew that.
1: Well, I, I just told Logan he had okay, no idea. Logan is a
0: 16-year-old child. who. But
1: you, you feel like when something like that enters public lexicon, everybody just knows it, right? But he didn't know.
0: Right. But that movie came out before I was born. So my child...
1: You know why you know that?
0: Because I'm married to you.
1: Exactly. So Not everybody's married to me, so they might not know that.
0: Well, that's good, because I'd have to kill them. <laughs> I they mean, would be fighting me for host position. <laughs> it would be an issue.
1: So you were asking about Dr. Loomis when we were watching the movie.
0: Yeah. Well, wait, Loomis. was I?
1: Yeah. He's played by Donald Pleasance. Yeah. You are asking about his name.
0: I did. It. I did. I said... It. The reason I asked was because... They're The actress who plays Annie, her last name is Loomis. Right.
1: But no, he was actually named after Dr. Sam Loomis from Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Oh. Yeah.
0: Because I've never seen that. We've talked about that before.
1: Yes. And I don't we think we've talked about we it on the podcast,
0: but I've never seen that.
1: All right, So creating the Laurie Strode character, the Carpenter and, and Deborah Hill, they kind of drew from Howard Hawks' movies. Not Hudson Hawk, but I don't Howard know Hawks. who
0: Howard Hawk is.
1: He, he I think he did like the do you remember the movie they're watching, The Thing from Another World? Yeah. Or, That's a Howard Hawks movie. Okay. And then John Carpenter remade it and it was called The Thing. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you, you didn't know that.
0: No. Is that supposed to be common knowledge?
1: You acted like the William Shatner mask was common common I don't know what common knowledge is, apparently.
0: The it was common knowledge to me. Is common knowledge.
1: I felt like that was common knowledge as well. Uh, According to Tom Lee Wallace, he said, this was a time that women were asserting their rights like never before. And Deborah was a very assertive woman. No way was she going to have a weeping violet type as her heroine. So at Hill's request, a young Jamie Lee Curtis was cast as Laurie. And that was her feature film debut. So Deborah explained, Jamie is very much like Laurie. She's very introspective, very complicated. There are many interesting facets to Jamie, and there's a very beautiful innocence that the business still hasn't ruined. With Laurie being the good girl of the group, Carpenter and Hill unconsciously created the classic horror rule that if you have sex, you die. It's unclear which critic first pointed this out, though it might have been Pauline Kael who wrote that the killer, quote, has no trouble picking off the teenager who fools around. Only Laurie has the virginal strength to fight back. According to Deborah Hill, It was never a conscious decision. The people who mentioned that in reviews applied their own morality to it. I thought they were being ridiculously introspective about a film that was meant to have no social statements. John Carpenter agrees, saying, It wasn't my intention to make a moral point. I just hadn't thought of it. The other girls were busy with their boyfriends, and they were busy with other things. Lori had the perception because she's not involved in anything. She's lonely. She's looking out the window. We wanted to make Lori a strong character who was very willful and feared nothing. Someone who was quiet... Yet defiant and face the enemy. Laurie had an inner strength you didn't see on the outside. So I just thought that was interesting because in creating this whole slasher genre, that became a rule.
0: Right. If you've seen Scream, (laughs) you know You've seen
1: Scream and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. You have the virginal heroine character. Everybody else is off doing drugs and having the sex. And then they get picked off. For, right. for these terribly immoral things they're doing. It's so quaint and old fashioned when you think about it. But again, when when they created it, that was not their intention whatsoever.
0: Their intention was like, she bored as fuck. She's just looking <laughs> out the window.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she bored. Actually, it seemed like Tommy did most of the window looking. Yeah. He's always looking out the window. He's looking, the looking out the man. window and he's
0: like, there, there's a the movie man. man.
1: Shut the fuck up, Tommy.
0: Remember to like you, Tommy.
1: So going back to Sam Loomis, that he was played by Donald Pleasance, British right. actor. Right. They liked him so much that uh, they ended up casting him in Escape from New York as the president. I keep referencing these other John Carpenter movies. These are The John Carpenter movies that I absolutely love are the ones that John Carpenter and Kurt Russell collaborated on.
0: He's not in this movie. No, he's not. Oh, but I just wanted to mention Halloween?
1: that. He did, they, they did Escape from New York together. They did The Thing. They did Big Trouble in Little China. And then they did Escape from L.A. But do you, do you remember probably 10, 11, 12 years ago when I did a John Carpenter, yeah. Kurt Russell Appreciation yeah. Day party? Yeah. <laughs> and people came over and we enjoyed watching all four of those movies together.
0: Men came over and the women all left because none of us wanted anything to do with it. We all went to the mall.
1: That is terribly sexist. You should know that in today's climate, women are all about action movies and that's all they want to do is be action stars.
0: Okay, I don't know if you know, but I lived through this and that's what happened.
1: (laughs) No, it can't possibly be true. this This is a
0: recounting of facts. And everybody came over and then the people with penises stayed and people with vaginas all got in their cars actually we all carpooled. We all got in the same car and we went to the mall and uh, We didn't come back until later.
1: You are perpetuating gender stereotypes. And
0: when we came back, we ate cake.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that part at all. I do. <laughs> I just remember drinking and watching John Carpenter, Kurt Russell movies.
0: We had cake. Sam is underneath my microphone licking his leg. So that's cool.
1: Someone else I have to mention who worked on the movies, uh cinematographer Dean Cundey. Is
0: that he, Dean Kane? no Dean Cundy. Wow. Oh.
1: And he would continue to work with Carpenter on movies like The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China. And then later on, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park and Apollo 13. So Dean Cundy says working with John was a revelation because suddenly there was a guy who was interested in using the camera in a creative way, drawing the audience in. And I thought, boy, this is just my cup of tea, where the camera is contributing, and you're telling the story with visuals.
0: Yeah, isn't that what a movie's supposed to do?
1: Well, yeah. But back in the day, if you remember, you know, it was kind of like if you think about the opening scene from Halloween, it's all first person point of view, right? Yeah. And it's all one big tracking shot. That that was not common back then. Yeah. That that yeah. was a big deal. So something else they would do is they would start with wide shots and gradually move in tighter. Closing in on the until the audience felt like they, too, were trapped in the closet with with Lori was the intention.
0: I really like the first Halloween.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's a really
0: good movie. We just a, watched it. It's like incredibly
1: slow, though, right? By today's standards.
0: Well, yeah, but so is the new Halloween by today's standards.
1: I would say it's incredibly slow. Though. it It's slow by today's standards, it's slow, but the original Halloween is a very, very slow moving movie. Now, and the body count's like, what, four? Yeah. You know, it's it's a very low body count. And this new one, he killed like 12 people. Yeah. And then uh, the other aspect I wanted to touch on was the theme music, which was composed by John Carpenter. It wasn't until he screened an early cut of the film for an executive at 20th Century Fox that he realized he needed to save it with the music. He, it hadn't been scored yet. So... Carpenter says, I had the theme already written for years. It was just something I'd tinkered out on a on a piano. I played in 5-4 time on an octave on a piano. That's a, that's all it was. I hadn't necessarily applied it to Halloween. It was just sitting there and I thought, oh, I'll use this. That works okay. I'm not an... Ac- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> He's like, oh, this is fine.
1: This is good. I'm not an accomplished composer of symphonies. I just do basic, straight-ahead, riff-driven music. Let's talk about that theme, though. Like, I mean, it's, the theme alone is iconic. Yeah. And they used it to great effect in the new movie as well. Pretty much unchanged.
0: Yeah. It's it was my ringtone for a while back in the day when. When like, well, first of all, when you could have like custom ringtones. Yeah. Before it became it mostly like an
1: Android thing, I think.
0: Well, no, mine was I had a custom ringtone on this little. Like those little phones before smartphones. Yeah. I had a custom ringtone on that Okay. and it was I had I had the Halloween thing for a year or two before I got a new phone I loved it it really lent itself great for you know a little midi <laughs> ringtone
1: right. so Carpenter says low budget horror films were dormant slightly sleeping at the time Halloween revived this this uh, idea of let's go to the movies and have fun Lots of screaming, lots of grabbing your dates, lots of laughter afterwards. Word of mouth just kind of grew as people saw it. It was a very, very limited release, so in that sense, it was amazing. In addition to being a big crowd pleaser, it also received pretty strong reviews from major critics. Newsweek called it a superb exercise in the act of suspense and the most frightening flick in years, while Roger Ebert called it an absolutely merciless thriller. Uh, As I said earlier, it went on to make $40 million in its first run which in today's money would be about $200 million. And then. Today's money. (laughs) In today's money. uh, Give
0: me some of today's money.
1: (laughs) Inflation and whatnot. So in 1980, you had Friday the 13th. Later on, you had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which to me, that's a lot different. I mean, it's still the the slasher genre, but having this whole dream master kind of thing,
0: and it's funnier. Like, it kind of got a comedy, like a dark... It didn't
1: start off that way.
0: It's got a dark comedy element.
1: By the third movie is, is when they started bringing the comedy into it.
0: Which is that weird one. That weird, like... Like, gross. Like, that that dude in his tight underpants and, like...
1: Oh, remember, uh, Number number L Street 2, Freddy's uh, Revenge. That one's terrible. That one is so bad.
0: Is that the one with the weird bird flying around the kitchen, like... yeah. It's terrible. It's so
1: bad. It's such a bad. And they broke all the rules of the first movie that brought Freddy into the real world. It was just terrible.
0: Anyway, going back to Halloween. That's a a terrible movie, that one. Not Halloween, but Freddy.
1: So Halloween is the only slasher film to reside in the Library of Congress. It was inducted in 2006. Picked from over a thousand titles. Huh. So the uh, the staff coordinator of the registry, Steve Leggett, explained Halloween launched Carpenter's career and started the slasher genre. Some people may say that's good or bad, but it's really a good film.
0: It is a good film.
1: So that that's it. That's all I got for that. But yeah, all that's right. the only slasher film in the Library of Congress. Probably will always be the only right. slasher film in the Library of Congress. I mean, what else Library would you Congress. add to that?
0: Like, there aren't any. Yeah. That would be...
1: See, I think I think Michael Myers as a character is probably one of the scariest slashers when you think about like Jason and Freddie and Michael.
0: Because Michael Myers doesn't really have a motive. He, does, face. he doesn't have
1: a. It, I think he's he's just more believable. You know, he, he got more ridiculous in the sequels and stuff, which I'm not really talking about, where he basically became, you know, undead or like, you know, super powered in some way. But I like in the new movie they they brought it back. He's just a guy, right? The he, one that he's just a sociopath, psychopath, whatever. And that that, but I I always preferred Jason though. Just be his. I like the hockey mask. I like the machete, and I love the over the top violence of his kills. Yeah, the movies aren't better. I don't know. That's just that over the top violence in those movies. I I always like that. I
0: had I just had a hard time with the new the new movie that we saw. Halloween, yeah, the new Halloween because I'm telling you that Dead by Daylight just killed it for me because in my mind,
1: so video games ruin the movie for you and hiccups all of a sudden.
0: Oh, that's good. I'm glad you got hiccups in the middle of recording. (laughs) That's cool. What is with you hitting your mic stand? So, yeah, like it has. It ruined it because in my mind, you know, I should be able to look around. Right. Because in Dead by Daylight, if if you're not familiar with the game, you can, like, you either play as the killer or, like, the person,
1: the, the survivor, yeah, yeah the, the v- survivors, the, the, victims, the victims, whatever, you want to call it. Or whatever. So, potential survivors. <laughs>
0: so hopefully, a survivor, and as uh, if you're if you're like the victim or whatever, you you can like look around, like you're you know you're trying to find michael myers to be it's just it was it was weird to have that set camera angle <laughs> <Yeah>. that's funny <laughs> it's hard it's it's just we it's yeah i don't know it's strange but moving on to my topic i also have a halloween topic
1: is it called halloween <laughs> that's what mine was called it's not
0: quite <laughs> as on the nose but it does take place on halloween that's an unsolved Excellent. mystery And it does take place on Halloween. It is the disappearance of Cindy Song.
1: Never heard of a...
0: Her name is actually Hyun Jong Song, but she was known to her friends as Cindy Song. She was born and raised for most of her childhood in Seoul, South Korea. But in 1995, she was born in 1980, by the way. In 1995, she moved to the United States and she lived with her aunt and uncle in Springfield, Virginia. After high school graduation, she was accepted to Pennsylvania State University. So she went to Penn State. And in 2001, she was 21 and she was an art major at Penn State. And uh, she was petite. So she was five foot tall. She was only 110 pounds. So she was, you know, tiny little, little girl. I mean, she's 21. So but she was a little girl and she had good grades. She had two part-time jobs, and she was a senior set to graduate in just a few months. Okay. On Halloween, 2001, Cindy and two of her friends, Lisa and Stacy, decided to go out to one of their favorite places. And it was a popular student hangout. It was called Players Nightclub, and they were hosting a Halloween party. So it was a Wednesday, which is a school night, but she was still like, you know, it's Halloween. Yeah. And so in college... It's different.
1: Yeah, when you're younger, going on on school nights or work nights isn't that big of a deal. Right. It's very hard now that I'm old. It's
0: so hard now. So Cindy dressed as a bunny, which was funny because when I was first reading that, I was like, I'm a mouse. Duh. Like That was my first thought. Immediately. But then I read a quote. Like, I'm going to describe her costume in a minute, but I read a quote where her friend was like, and I didn't even pull the quote, but a friend was like, she wasn't dressed sexy. <laughs> Cindy dressed cute. She insists on dressing cute. She wouldn't want to be one of those sexy <laughs> costumes because I was be, immediately like,
1: <laughs> they want to be a sexy bunny. <laughs>
0: right. But her her costume consisted of bunny ears, a white skirt and there. I actually have a picture of her in her costume. Okay. There were pictures taken that night, obviously. Um, bunny ears, a white skirt with a bunny tail attached, a pink sleeveless shirt, um, which had like an embroidered image of a bunny, which reminds me of those costumes you were right. talking about and a red knee length hooded coat. And then brown suede knee high boots. So she, she was pretty covered up. I mean, she wasn't, you know, she was dressed pretty cute. So the girls partied at the club until about 2 a.m. And then they went to one of one of the friends' houses to play video games. And then Stacy drove Cindy home at Cindy's apartment. Like they dropped her off at 4 a.m. Wave goodbye. Cindy went up to her apartment. They didn't actually see, like Stacy didn't actually see Cindy go up to her place, but Cindy had been drinking. On the night of her disappearance, and she was slightly intoxicated. So she didn't actually see her go upstairs. Okay. And that's the last sighting. Okay. Of her. She was reported missing on November 4th, 2001, three days after she was last seen. Her friends had grown concerned because she hadn't been heard from. Right. On November 6th, two days later... Police finally were able to gain access to her apartment. They found most of her belongings were there. Her backpack, her cell phone. Like, these are things she had that night. Right. The fake eyelashes she had been wearing that night were on her bathroom sink. Like, her counter. Right. So she had come into the apartment after being dropped off by her friends. None of the other parts of her costume were there, however. So she was still wearing the costume when she disappeared. Hmm. Even the bunny ears Hmm. were, were gone. Like they weren't there. The only things that were missing besides her costume were her purse, her keys, and herself. So Cindy's friend stated that she would not have left her apartment without her cell phone. Right. But she was also known to walk down the street to the 24 hour market very late at night and very early in the morning. Right. So Cindy had also broken up with her boyfriend about a month before she went missing and her family was worried that she may have committed suicide over this. But her friend stated that she was handling the breakup really well and that she wasn't even distraught. Okay. So there was no evidence of a break in. At Cindy's apartment. And then there was a lot of debate over whether or not she had just disappeared from the apartment or if she if she had voluntarily left her apartment and then something happened to her en route to the 24 hour market. But Cindy and her friends had been drinking at that party that night. So they like they don't really you know, you don't make the best decisions when you're when you're drinking. To complicate things a little further, police found accounts in Cindy's diary that her and her friends had been smoking marijuana and experimenting with ecstasy. Okay. But there was no evidence that they had been doing either of these things on the night of Halloween.
1: Those things don't make you disappear. <laughs> That's I know but you effect. know
0: how cops are like
1: of ecstasy and weed. well,
0: you did some drugs, so now you go right. away and nobody cares because right. even though you're a senior working two jobs and you're right. like a good kid,
1: I'm like, yeah, you, you did bad person. You now I'm going to go home and drink a bunch of beer,
0: right? So it was, it was though eventually rolled out as a possible factor in her disappearance. So, quickly into the investigation, an eyewitness came forward claiming to have seen Cindy in Philadelphia's Chinatown district in a car with a man. Now, this is 200 miles away from Penn State. Nope. Yeah. Hmm. According to the woman, Cindy was calling out for help when the witness approached the car and the man told her to leave, and she did. Hmm. Police quickly jumped onto this lead and tried to find the man. The witness described, but they were unable to do so. But then the woman's story changed multiple times, and eventually they dropped the lead because it appeared not to be genuine. Hmm. In addition to following this lead, police did put together some search parties for Cindy in the area of Penn State just after her disappearance, but obviously nothing came of that. Shortly after Cindy's disappearance, her parents flew in from South Korea and cleaned out her apartment, effectively contaminating any further evidence. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: That the police might have been able to find
1: throughout there. She had those kind of parents who were yeah. just worried about things being clean all the time. Who,
0: who were worried about, well, because they're from South Korea and they were worried about what people might think. Yeah. So yeah. they came in and just cleaned out her apartment. So there was a short period of time in which police departments from Minnesota and Wisconsin were investigating a possible connection between Cindy's case and and the disappearance of four other college students who went missing around Halloween in 2002 after attending attending Halloween parties. However, there was no evidence of any sort of connection in the cases of Cindy Song, Joshua Gommond, Erica Delquist, Chris Jenkins, and Michael Knoll. These are all people who went missing on Halloween. Wow. Yeah. The biggest lead in Cindy's case... Came when an informant by the name of Paul Weekly came forward with information about a prior friend, Hugo Marcus Zelensky. Zelensky was discovered to have burned and buried 12 bodies on his property. Holy shit. Zelensky had a long history of crime and eventually confessed to the murder of Cindy Song, agreeing hmm. with Weekly's story. Zelensky said that he had a partner in crime. Michael Jason Kurkowski Jr. <laughs> and he had seen Cindy walking in those early morning hours of November 1st, 2001, and he mistook her for a prostitute and kidnapped her.
1: Oh, is that what you do with prostitutes?
0: Yeah. I mean... I've
1: been very confused about that. I thought you just paid them for sex.
0: No, no, no. You kidnap them. Oh. Yeah. And then, you know, that you keep her in a walk-in safe that you have in your home until you, until she <laughs> dies. And then you bury her somewhere... In Luzerne County, PA. That's normally what you do with them. <laughs> According to Zelensky, he later murdered Krakowski. And then he buried his body in his property. Wow. And then he kept Cindy's bunny ears as a souvenir. They, so the information that Weekly gave about the other crimes, that all turned out to be true. So they had little reason to doubt this information. But the issue was... That when they searched Zelensky's property, Sidney's remains were nowhere to be found.
1: Hmm. Did, did he have the bunny ears? No. Oh.
0: Zelensky was still a rather intriguing suspect. But then he was acquitted of what? two murders of bodies that were actually found on his property. Jesus. And he lucked out a lot when it came to the legal system.
1: Didn't It sounds like he confessed. Uh-huh. And they still couldn't convict this guy?
0: No, because they never... Her body's never been found.
1: What about the other bodies?
0: Even bodies they found, he was still acquitted.
1: That's insane.
0: So there's a lot of... Selensky's case is, is really... It's really fucked, but he's still serving like 30-some years, but he's not serving life. Yeah. But that's not what this episode's about. So, moving on. There's a lot of criticism with this case. It's still considered unsolved. With... The case, as far as Penn State goes, the minority groups were really outraged. The Black Caucus and the Korean Undergraduate Students Association spoke out quite a bit on how it was handled and the fact that there was no progress. They complained that the university should have been held responsible for ensuring that students who go missing are found. However, keep in mind two things. There's no crime scene, no body, and no evidence. Right. Because, you know, the the parents destroyed all the evidence.
1: I, I don't know how the university is supposed to be responsible.
0: Well, and two, the university wasn't ignoring the problem. They offered Cindy's parents an on-campus apartment while everything was investigated and Internet access for free, like apartment and access for free. Yeah. While they attempted to locate her daughter. At some point... There was a rumor that the case was going to be closed but the lead detective on the case <laughs> detective Sprinkle <laughs> stated that until Cindy's body was found and the killer was located or the you know it was everything was located yeah. then it's not going to be closed yeah. like, so the case is still considered open And there have been questions as to why no security footage of Cindy having arrived at the 24 hour market, if that is where she went, has ever been like released. And they said that it's because 24 hour markets are not capable of continuous recordings. So by the time that they asked for it, it had been recorded over. Wow. Because they continuously film right. over and over and over and it was like six days by the time or five days. It's supposed by to be like that, two weeks. Yeah. Most no, of them. It was like five days by the time. So it was recorded over by the time they asked the twenty four mark twenty four hour market for it.
1: Wow.
0: And that's it. I mean it's a cold case. It's done it's Yeah.
1: It made me think of something and I'm not sure exactly why. The only tie it has to this thought. Of mine is the idea of a holiday crime, but it's not even the same holiday. Do you remember when we were living at Timber Top yes, and it was Thanksgiving Thanksgiving morning, and we got a knock on our door, and it was a plainclothes detective uh-huh. asking if we had heard anything the night before because someone had been murdered right outside our apartment in a garage, like right right below. Well,
0: now that that apartment complex is like ghetto as fuck, but back then it wasn't it was like the spot to live yeah we lived there like 15 years ago and it was it was fun it was a nice place like everybody lived there and yeah we were i was was i pregnant or had i given you
1: were pregnant i was pregnant i was pregnant pregnant with
0: mason no i was pregnant with logan yeah yeah so it was over 16 years
1: ago yeah and was two thousand one? That was the same year. Yeah,
0: two thousand one. Was yeah. But yeah. Thanksgiving
1: time. morning, knock on the door, detective. He told it. He gave us information about it. He said they he think it was it like was a hired hit, hit kind yeah. of thing. Because we didn't. The guy was shot, but nobody yeah. heard gunshots. So they think there was a silencer.
0: Yep. And it was a garage facing our back
1: right. balcony. Like
0: it was it, because we had like a we our our apartment was like a reverse loft. So like when you walked in, you go down into the bedroom or our apartment upstairs went the whole length of the building right so then the back bedroom had a balcony to it and then that balcony was facing a building that had a garage and yeah it was the guy was shot in in the garage back there i mean now like i said it's it's like a ghetto place and people are probably shot there all the time i don't know but (laughs) it wasn't back then it was very rare and it was uh yeah that was that was weird that was a thanksgiving that was cool (laughs)
1: That was cool
0: That was cool, that guy (laughs) got killed Yeah But Do,
1: do, Do you remember your first time seeing the first Halloween movie at all? Yes Tell me about that
0: I was on vacation With My grandpa How old were you? Young I was Young Okay. Like seven Okay Six, seven, eight. I was young, and we were all. I don't know where we were even going. I think it might have been when we went to Denver, but or maybe it's when we went to Aspen. We were going to Colorado. I'm pretty sure.
1: Man, you rich and kids went everywhere.
0: We drove.
1: I went so. to Pennsylvania one time.
0: Anyway, <laughs> I was with Grandpa, and I was with my aunts. and My aunts, as you know, and listeners probably don't, uh, my aunts are around my age. Two of my aunts are younger than Sean. One of my aunts. The three that are on my age. One of my aunts is like born the same year as Sean, but just a couple months older. And two of my aunts are younger than him, but older than me. And it was it was the three of us, and then my grandpa and grandma Margie, who is now passed. And we were all headed to, I think we were going to Aspen. It was either Aspen or Denver. It's it was my grandpa had friends out there in Colorado. We were, yeah, we were headed to Colorado, and. We were what we stayed in a hotel or motel or whatever while we were headed that way. Like we drove out there. Yeah. So we stayed. We stayed somewhere while we were going and it was on TV. And I remember watching it like I remember sitting on the foot end of the bed watching it. And I was captivate. I was captivated from the. The opening credits yeah I I remember being like I was so I was so captivated yeah even now like when I watch it when I watch it I watch the credits like I watch them yeah I don't tune them out so yeah I I loved it then and I watched all like I that's how I saw all those weird movies was with them yeah that's first time I saw it
1: I don't remember the first time I saw the first Halloween my First memory of of a Halloween movie is Halloween 2. We were at someone's house. I mean, I was real young as well. I don't remember what age, probably around, you know, six or seven or something. Maybe a little bit older. And we were over there, and it was around Halloween. And Halloween 2 was on TV, but this was that point where we weren't allowed to watch TV, but we were at someone's house. So I remember trying to watch this movie... But but at the same time I couldn't just sit down on a couch and watch it because my mom wouldn't let me so I was like coming in and out so I didn't see like the whole movie straight through but there were certain scenes that stuck with me from Halloween to like I remember being sent the main one being the kid who had the razor blade and the apple and they showed all that blood in Mm -hmm. their mouth and I was just that that terrified me and then the sauna scene and everything so I have memories of that but I I don't even remember the first time I saw the original Halloween.
0: I remember I remember the first Halloween and I remember like in general with scary movies, I really wanted to watch scary movies. Yeah. But I also I didn't, you know, I was the only child. So like I had I didn't really want to watch them by myself. Right. Like I wasn't really trying to do that. <laughs> so when we had, when we got cable, we got cable when I was in like third grade.
1: Man, you guys were so rich.
0: so we got cable when i was in like third grade and like and i had it we had a vcr so we started i started recording things did you
1: have a dishwasher at this point i don't think so no
0: no i we got a dishwasher when i was in fourth grade
1: did you ever have to hand wash dishes
0: yeah until then well i didn't i didn't hand wash i dried my mom washed and i dried so not
1: the same thing that's why you do not appreciate no dishwasher
0: so so anyway um so, like, I like Child's Play and stuff, I we I would record. Yeah. And then I would try to watch it by myself. Yeah. And so I could only get through, like, certain scenes. That's why, <laughs> like, some movies I've only seen parts of, because I could only sit through certain parts by myself, because they would freak me out.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I would try to watch it when I was young, you know? And well, see, turned- I,
1: I understand that because I was the same way, meaning I... I I wanted to watch scary movies I didn't have the access to. So whenever I could, I would. And then I'd pay the price later with you know, nightmares or having trouble getting to sleep or whatever.
0: What movies gave you nightmares the worst as a child?
1: It wasn't it wasn't even nightmares. It was more just the idea of going to sleep scared me. And it was probably because of the Nightmare on Elm Street initially.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street. I was I was mentioning my aunts. Yeah. They used to sing the one, two Freddie's coming for you Oh like yeah. at me, like at me. Yeah. Like to scare me. Right.
1: That's not that's what kids do. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and well, we also used to read those um, scary stories. Tell in the dark. Like, yeah. those, you remember those books?
1: I've I think they're making a movie out of that.
0: OK, but you so you know what I'm talking about?
1: Only because of the Internet. I don't. I'm not familiar with them when they were around. Well,
0: I had them. Okay. I own them. There are and multiple
1: volumes. Yes. So like goosebumps like three, or something. There was like three. Oh, okay. no,
0: they're not anything like goosebumps. They're they're like compilation of. Is
1: so there a lot of artwork?
0: Yes. Okay. Cause like, they're like a lot I of guess like they're hearing, artwork.
1: They're gonna adhere to the artwork style for the movie okay. too.
0: It's from very. What I read.
1: but again, I don't have any. I don't know anything about that series.
0: Okay. Well, they're um they're like anthology series. They're right. like okay, I gathered so that. so. We used to read those. Okay. And we used to like try to freak each other out. And it was very. Right. Like, yeah. And um, they used to Campfire
1: story-ish kind of stuff. Yes.
0: It's very much that. But see, I think we also grew up in like a different time because Are You Afraid of the Dark was like a show that was on TV. Right. Because I had cable at that point, right? So, and that show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I watched that relatively recently on Amazon Prime. It was yeah. on. And it's it's scary. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I never saw it. I mean, it's a scary show. It's 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 not one of those like Scooby-Doo rip off a mask and it's like old man S- Smithers from yeah. like down the road. It's like no, that house is haunted, and there's a clown in the walls. Like that's, it's <laughs> that's like that's
1: cool. I like that. No, it's like that kind like of Twilight yeah. Zone for kids, or something.
0: Right? It's like that's how that is. It's like no, if you go in there, you might get absorbed in the mirror. It's like it's it's scary, and I, I that's what I grew up on. So I, it was a different time. Like I don't feel like no. kids shows are like that anymore. Yeah. No. They don't no. make like, but anyway, those kind of that's what I grew up on. And I grew up with ants around my age that were always trying to scare the shit out of me. Right. So, I don't know.
1: Well, here's here's the thing. Go back to the Never on Elm Street thing, because eventually I became obsessed with Freddy Krueger and I thought he was amazing as a kid. So I, I was terrified at first after watching, I think Never on Elm Street 3 was the first movie I saw all the way through. I saw number on Elm Street 1 in bits and pieces when I would have the TV hidden behind my sister's bed. <laughs> and I would watch it in there on Channel 43, like at night, but I couldn't just stay in there because my mom would look for me and stuff. So, right. and I had like headphones and stuff and I had to keep them real low so I could hear if my mom was calling my name. But so that that was scary, the idea of it. But then one night I had a dream where I was, I was like working for Freddie. I was some sort of apprentice in this dream
0: Aw bitch, that's that Rendia <laughs> from like <laughs> from a good morning.
1: And I remember ever since then I was just like, I love Freddy. Freddy's awesome. And I, I wasn't afraid of Freddy anymore after that dream.
0: Because you thought you were his apprentice. I
1: was like, dude, working for Freddy is the shit.
0: You're like, he's such a good boss.
1: You get to kill people. <laughs> like, it, was, it was weird because before that I he scared the shit out of me.
0: Yeah, as an adult. When we watched that movie, May. Yeah. That gave me nightmares for a while. That
1: was a good, creepy movie.
0: But other than that, I don't really get nightmares from movies. too much. Well, yeah, as
1: an adult, you just you don't have the imagination anymore. or It's not even just that. It's just, you know, you have, you know, you have taxes due. You have like real shit to worry about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You don't have any space to worry about imaginary boogeymen yeah. in your mind.
0: I wish that's what I worried about. Like, I <laughs> wish I worried about boogeymen. Right. I have projects I got to get done. Right. I've got, like, real issues. Real gotta adult call back.
1: stress. Got to worry about, you know, making sure your your kids keep their grades up. and.
0: Got to call back the credit card processing lady who called me on Friday because I got to figure out what credit card processor to use.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, see, that's, that's, a, that's a nightmare.
0: I, that's, that's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And, like... I like I said, I have projects to do. I still have I'm running behind on getting my own website back up because I took it down for updates. Like I have my own shit. Yeah, I wish I could be worried about someone killing me. (laughs) Like that would be amazing if that was my biggest concern. But no one's going to kill me. What are the odds of that? Pretty slim. Pretty slim. I have way better odds of getting hit by a car than I do of someone actually murdering me on purpose.
1: Don't get me started on getting on bad drivers.
0: OK, well, we won't go there. But yeah, that's, a, so that's
1: our Halloween episode.
0: It's not terribly spooky. Uh,
1: I don't think it, it was ever going to be. Oh, it's just more of a theme. You should have mm. talked about your your favorite Halloween special.
0: Oh, do you want to talk about that real quick? Go for it. OK, so my favorite Halloween special is available on YouTube. Sean has Sean found for me it's garfield halloween and it's the best halloween and it's like it's another one of those and this is what i'm talking about when i say halloween or like scary stuff back in the 80s and early 90s it was different back then yeah it was genuinely scary back then and it was garfield halloween and it's it's like scary like there are actual ghosts you know and it's like (laughs) You know, real, real ghosts in Garfield, but it's not like explained away by, you know, I don't know, John in a mask or whatever. But it's it's fantastic. It's my favorite one. Odie and Garfield get into some shit with some ghost pirates and it's great. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Because it's not scary. (laughs) I watched it. And granted, I saw it as an adult. So, the, but at the same time, I don't think I would have been scared of it as a child. Though.
0: I love it. I think it's it, it fantastic.
1: Did have some, some cute moments. It's super 80s, which you have to love. The animation quality to. was just so much better back then.
0: It, it's fantastic. Which is strange because technology it, is so much better now. Right. And I've watched it. I've watched it like every couple years. Yeah. Since I was like five. Yeah. I've been watching it for 30 years and it's fantastic.
1: So show it, show it to your kids.
0: Yeah. Give it a quick watch, man. If you liked Garfield back in the day, like old Garfield, not like current modern day Garfield and Friends garbage, but like back in the day Garfield. It's good. It's it's up on YouTube. You can find it. Watch the whole thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Highly recommend. I watched it this year. It's great. <laughs> I, I recommend. All right. Well, the dogs are getting restla- restless. Probably got all his ears as big as they go.
1: Well, thanks for listening. And if if you like our show, please tell someone.
0: Oh, yeah. Rate, right review, subscribe. would not do housekeeping.
1: Well, that, that is my housekeeping. I, I don't really. I don't know that like reviewing really does anything. I don't really
0: care what you do. I would nah. like for you to keep listening. But keep listening. If you and don't tell somebody do. your that's, life,
1: that's always my thing. Just say, hey, check this show out. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be sure. super cool.
0: It's your life, man. You do what you need to do.
1: Happy Halloween.
0: Happy Halloween. Stay safe. Don't get murdered or whatever. Like, isn't that the thing? Don't get don't get murdered. Don't get
1: murdered. I That's not ours. That's,
0: right, a, that's, that's somebody why else's tagline. That's why I was saying it. Don't
1: that's, get mur- Yeah. Don't be a victim.
0: We'll try to. out. We'll if try you are to, a
1: victim, it's your fault. Well, that's that's what I learned from uh, my favorite murder.
0: We'll try to put that out. We'll put out that. Um. In August, we did we recorded a Patreon episode where we talk about that. I think I don't think our patre, patrons would mind if we released it since it's so old now. We could probably make it public. Okay. We discuss how that's victim blaming. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye.